0: Greetings, welcome, Bienvenidos, Hola, Aloha, Niha, Namaste. Bonjour, bonjour no, soadikrup good guten talk, ciao, we viva cat bang, half a day, chai chanendra, salam, shalom, peace now. Go vegan, peace how go vegan from the new right-left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical, Vivisection Prison, Kilitary Industrial Core, Poor Nation. In the cheese-covered, post-constitutional, bankster, bankrupt, corruptocracy, democracy, criminocracy, unchallenged by meaty, a meaty, food born in the NSA, NRA, CIA, USA, home of Uncle Salmonella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And, uh, when we say five o'clock, we mean five o'clock hippie daylight time. Uh, so keep that in mind. Five, starting at 514, 515. That's pretty good for us. So we are here and happening. And, uh, so we, uh, we press onward here today, being Memorial Day, when we respectfully, Uh, We respectfully commemorate the uh, charred victims of perpetual human war by consuming the charred victims of the perpetual war on innocent animals. Peace now, go vegan. Peace how, go vegan. Oh Well, 176 billion animals were farmed for food this past year. Um, Each one of them part of the greatest massacre ever. Um, And even the good people, the kind people, the ones who are for peace are reaching for their knives right now. So uh, there's a reason that Tolstoy said, Tolstoy, the author of War and Peace, who said, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. And uh, that is a very deep statement. I know that... uh, It impresses Cindy Sheehan, peace mom. Uh, I'm sure Memorial Day has a special meaning for her, having lost her son in Iraq and uh, knowing that it was for no reason. No reason. Weapons of mass destruction. Um, Well, that's a punchline. That was a punchline at a correspondence uh, uh, dinner gathering, right? War crimes are so, you know, war crimes. I don't even, th- war crimes aren't even misdemeanors, are they? They're just like, get a warning. No, you don't even get a warning. <laughs> you get thanks. You get a library. You get a monument. If you Do your war crimes right. And, uh, you know, we we do our war crimes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Cindy Sheehan is vegan. Of course, she makes the connection. And Dennis Kucinich is vegan. He makes the connection. Cesar Chavez was vegan. He made the connection. How can you uh, oppress other beings and uh, send them to their death and and eat them and really be for peace? I don't get it. So anyway, I guess I'll be all over the place here today. Um, And yeah, so I mean, And and the only solution is we we have to go vegan because wars are fought over resources like oil, land, food, all squandered in the uh, consumption, in the production and consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. And of course, we have climate change and climate refugees and uh, just a whole mess because... uh, this this wacky herbivore species on planet Earth seems to want to eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, and just mess up everything. So, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. And if we go vegan, uh, we, we can we can take the land from those battlefields and uh, you know reforest them. You know that's the only solution for climate change: is going vegan. You wouldn't know it by hearing uh, from the animal rights movement or the environmental movement. We have the the, the strongest ammunition on our side, the peaceful ammunition. If we recognize that animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions, and that the only solution is a population shift to veganism. And that will uh, free up the land. Free up the land. It's the only way to uh, reverse climate change, just as it's the only way to reverse so many serious diseases. So, um, I know we so much of our budget goes toward the military and warfare, and I, you know, I I know that. Yeah, if we all went vegan, what, what happens to all our warriors, huh They'll, they'll all be out of work, huh you know? Um, I don't know. Maybe instead of bombing people all over the world, the military could be used to uh, here at home, you know to, uh, maybe to protect the citizens here. you know, like everyone who, who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton probably needs a bodyguard, right? Everyone who uh, protested against her publicly probably needs a military escort. You know, so much like we had our Operation Desert Storm, and uh, you know how we name them also uh, appropriately, uh, we can have our Operation Seth Rich, right, or or something. You know, so have we? uh, Have we been nuked? uh, You know, in a nuclear war? In a nuclear war yet? For no reason? Well. Uh, well, no reason except that Rachel Maddow says we should be nuked in a nuclear war. Uh Don't forget, if it happens, get under your desk. That's what I was told at uh, PS 152 Manhattan in, in elementary school. That because uh, we were we were in a in a very serious Cold War with Russia at the time, and there was concern about. Nuclear warfare, and we were told, uh, you know, if those, if those sirens go off, get under your desk, so that that'll protect you. So, but here we have the the Democrats who seem to want another Cold War, and a you know, bring us they want to bring us to the verge of nuclear annihilation. Why, why, why? Because uh, yeah, they want to divert our attention away from their failed election and candidates and corruption and all of that. So, um, looks like we have an animal rights conference also to take our minds off of all the uh, corruption in, in the animal rights movement. Uh, talk about that in a moment here. Um, I, th- so I did mention, uh, that uh, we have uh climate change uh, being you know ev- everybody recognizes climate change supposedly right everybody recognizes climate change um uh, except trump right republicans and corporate types um it, it really doesn't matter if you recognize climate change if you don't Recognize the solution. If, if you know, I mean, let's face it: uh, an alternative energy infrastructure will cost thirty-five trillion dollars and twenty years uh, to implement. So that's that's not practical. So uh, who cares? You know, who cares if anybody's if anybody recognizes climate change or doesn't recognize climate change if we don't participate in the solution, and the only solution is going vegan. Here's an article in Live Science today. Pope Francis gifts Trump his encyclical on climate change. So we need to get in, in touch with the Pope. Uh, Jacob, could you... uh Call the Vatican for me. Get the Pope on the line. I mean, we we really—if the Pope is recognizing climate change, we we need to have a, a talk here about uh, the solution for climate change that the Pope needs to recognize. Pope Francis, named for the patron saint, the patron saint of animals, so uh, we need some vegan talk with the Pope. We need uh, we need to talk. We need some biblical talk. We need Genesis one twenty nine, uh, God's first commandment to be vegan. Pope Francis. So the article in Life Science says, uh, during a meeting today, May 24th at the Vatican, Pope Francis not only urged President Donald Trump to be a peacemaker, but also brought up the need to protect planet Earth. The Pope gave the U.S. President his 2015 encyclical on the environment and climate change. I need to get a copy of that. I don't know if it's it written in Italian or Latin. We did take some Latin at PS 152 Manhattan there. Probably not enough to understand the Pope's encyclical. It says the text within the encyclical is in sharp contrast to the president's view and actions regarding environment. This article says Trump has dismissed human-caused global warming as a hoax. And who cares? If... Uh, It doesn't matter if we don't go vegan, everybody can dismiss it as a hoax. We can all go vegan and we can all dismiss it as a hoax and we will have solved it. But we don't recognize the going vegan part. Doesn't matter if you dismiss it as a hoax or if you say it's, gee, this is the most serious problem facing us. Um, So it says here, Trump has dismissed human caused global warming as a hoax. Uh, Chose Scott Pruitt as the leader of the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, someone who doesn't believe that the uh, greenhouse gas carbon dioxide uh, is warming the planet. It is, it says in this article here. Um, And yet I wonder if all these environmentalists are considering that animal agriculture is the number one cause of greenhouse gas emissions, at least 51%. I don't see that here. We'll have to check uh, with the Pope and see if he has it in the encyclical. And uh, let's see. So it also says that uh, Trump has proposed big cuts to the agency and his administration has also uh, erased climate change pages from the White House website. Uh, Not sure if that's the case or not. I know that there was talk about doing it, but I don't know if it was, but okay, whatever it says uh, in the gifted encyclical, uh, the Pope proclaims the scientific consensus on global warming and the urgency to act before it's too late for the planet. Now, re- remember, we're, we're told by the world's top climate specialists, is Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang. Robert Goodland was the environmental advisor to the World Bank for over 20 years. And uh, they're saying that we need a 50 to 85 percent population shift. We need it by 2020. Uh, or it'll be too late. So if we're going to act before it's too late, we all have to go vegan today and help everybody else go vegan. Uh, the article continues, quoting, a very sound scientific consensus indicates that we are presently witnessing a disturbing warming of the climate climatic system uh, in recent decades. This warming has been accompanied by a constant rise in the sea level and it would appear... Uh, by an increase of extreme weather events, even if a scientifically determinable cause cannot be assigned to each particular phenomenon. So anyway, there's uh, the Pope uh, meeting with Trump uh, at his residence, the, apostol- the Apostolic Palace. Um. Uh, now, now, now—that's now a, a a nice place to live. If you know you have a billion followers, most of them in poverty, and you, you know, you'd like to. Uh... Shouldn't they all live in a palace? <laughs> we need a, a billion palaces. Um, Trump, can you get your construction team on that? Huh? Don't build a wall. We need a palace because yeah, the Pope lives in a palace in Vatican City. Uh, it says there the two spoke privately with translators for thirty minutes. According to Reuters, in addition to the gift of the encyclical, the Pope gave Trump a signed copy of his 2017 message of peace called Nonviolence, a Style of Politics for Peace. Well, sound, sounds like more uh, more cause for veganism right there. Right there. Nonviolence. Well, is there any uh, more? nonviolent? Of a lifestyle than being vegan. Uh, okay, so uh, you know there's the Pope talking about uh, you know we have extreme weather episodes happening, and you really can't associate each weather episode with climate change. But uh, here we uh, also see uh, in an article in Life Science Doomsday Seed Vault to get upgrade after flooding incident. Sounds scary to me. What does it say here? It says, the seeds are safe, for now, but a famous doomsday seed vault is scrambling to renovate after melting permafrost penetrated its access tunnel. The... uh, Svalbard Global Seed Vault announced on May 21st that it will be constructing new drainage ditches, uh, building waterproof walls. (laughs) Did we not think of that before? This is the doomsday seed vault, but let's save money and we don't need the walls to be waterproof, right? Okay, and uh... (laughs) what are we building The Doomsday Seed Vault. Um, And, uh, but you know, let's save a a little money on the drainage ditches, you know. It's only only our food. It's only the way we're going to feed ourselves. The Svalbard Global Seed Vault announced May 25th that it will be constructing new drainage ditches, building waterproof walls, and taking other steps to protect its valuable contents from flooding. Uh, the seed vault is built inside a mountain on an archipelago in Norway and acts as a global backup storage system for crop diversity. Seeds from around the world are stored there. Uh, the remote location is meant to be a feature of the vault. so it's a remote location you know no nobody will be coming by walking the dog you know so they they won't the the dog won't pee on the you know not waterproof wall no problem it's a remote location so who needs drainage ditches and and who needs waterproofing well the ice is melting okay (laughs) uh okay so yeah the seed vault uh built inside the mountain so okay so the remote location is meant to be a feature of the vault uh, the mountains rock and year-round permafrost are intended to keep the seeds chilled uh, even in uh, even if uh, humanity can no longer maintain power to the facility the organization crop trust oh there's an organization behind it look out I'll bet the seeds are gone. <laughs> Did somebody check? Uh, are the seeds there? There's an organization running this. Uh, okay, the organization Crop Trust, which might be, you know, might be, might be totally crop trustworthy, but, you know, okay. Uh, so that partially funds and supports the vault. It calls this uh, permafrost uh, fail-safe storage facility on its webpage. page. Uh, It talks about it on its web page. Okay, whatever. Um, Is that it? Is that all I wanted to? Okay, so uh, permafrost failure, but climate change is causing this fail-safe facility to fail, it says here. Uh, Extremely high temperatures in the Arctic are melting permafrost and inhibiting uh, sea ice growth. The region is responding to global warming faster than anywhere else on Earth, uh, heating up at twice the rate of the rest of the world. So, there you have it. The seed vault, uh, when when you're, uh, yeah, a remote location. Now that we mentioned it and mentioned where it is, uh, you know, Al-Qaeda will be there tomorrow. So here one more one more on climate change i do want to well, we have plenty of time before professor francione next uh, hour there was one more on climate change that i had here um oh well, i have too many windows open There's is it too many tabs you know when i say i have a tab open it sounds like i have a diet soda I don't even think Tab is for sale anymore. It was the diet soda from Coca-Cola many years ago. Those wonderful diet sodas with the aspartame. Who cares if it's a neurotoxin as long as it tastes sweet, right? That's all that matters. I think there was one more article that I wanted to look at, which is how would just two degrees of warming change the planet? And remember, every time we talk about climate change and global warming, remember, it is caused by your appetite for meat, dairy, fish and eggs, your demand. So the production and consumption of meat, dairy, fish and eggs um, it, are really what causes climate change. I mean, that's that's a fact, Jack. And, you know, just the um what is it? Just 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 the land. um just yeah just j- just the land that's uh, cultivated for uh, animal agriculture produces more car- carbon than the fossil fuel industry so but we we don't want to know that we let's let's blame somebody else instead of going vegan right so um so in this life science article it says the earth is home to a range of climates from the scorching dunes of the Sahara to the freezing ranges of Antarctica. Uh, Given this diversity, why are climate scientists so alarmed about a worldwide temperature increase of just 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees Celsius? Um, It says, uh, changing the average temperature of an entire planet, even if it's just by a few degrees, is a big deal," said Peter De Menocal, a uh, a paleoclimate scientist at Lamont-Doherty Earth Observatory at Columbia University in New York. It says uh, a person living in any one location can experience huge uh, changes in Weather and even in climate, but those are often uh, compensated by changes on opposite sides of the world, De Monocal told Life Science. Let's see, scroll down here. says, Right now, the world is about 2.1 degrees, 1.2 degrees Celsius warmer than it was during pre industrial times, De Monocal said. Uh, The uh, 144 countries participating in the 2016 Paris Agreement announced that the world should limit the global increase in this century to 2.7 degrees, 1.5 centigrade, uh, a stricter limit than the former goal of a 3.6 degree or uh, 2 degree Celsius increase. Now, remember, Robert Goodland Climate specialist Robert Goodland, Dr. Robert Goodland, Goodland and Anhang, who uh, have their assessment of livestock and climate change. Google it. Google livestock and climate change. Goodland and Anhang. Um, Goodland says if we go vegan, we we can bring uh, our carbon levels to uh, pre-industrial stages here. So, you know, let's get with it. Let's go vegan. Care about the planet, huh? So it says, uh, to put 2.7 degrees into perspective, um, just about nine degrees Fahrenheit or five degrees Celsius separates the modern world from the last ice age, which, uh, ended about 15,000 years ago, Dimanakal said, uh, During that time, sea levels were about 350 feet uh, lower than they are today because an uh, extensive amount of water was stored as ice at the poles. Uh, During the ice age, about 32% of Earth Earth was covered in ice compared to just about 10% today according to the National Snow and Ice data Center must be nice if you you know looking for a job like you know you got your resume together it's like where would I like to work I, I would like to work at the National Snow and Ice data Center. are you hiring? Yeah okay well let's okay um, Earth uh, climate changes uh, back to the article it says Earth climate changes over time. the last ice age is evidence of that. But it's the rapid rate of change and the amount of the greenhouse gas carbon dioxide uh, filling up the atmosphere that have scientists concerned, Menocal said. Moreover, global warming doesn't just increase temperatures. It also threatens the food, water, shelter, energy, the energy grid and health of humans. Now, remember when, when, we, when we're saying that uh, all of this is threatened by climate change, global warming? Remember, this is all threatened by your appetite for meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. Under the uh, heading of food here, it says climate change affects the uh, ecosystems that provide food. And therefore, our security of food is linked to the security of those ecosystems. The oceans, for instance, provide people with about twenty percent of their dietary protein um which uh I don't know the oceans are depleted fish. Fish really, fish isn't food. What's, what's, what's going on here? Uh, he says, however, ocean acidification caused by climate change makes it difficult, if not impossible, for thousands of species, including oysters, crabs, and corals to form their, uh, protective shells, which in turn disrupts the food web. I'm more concerned about sea creatures and their food web. Um, it says on land, an increase of 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 2 degrees Celsius would almost double the water uh, deficit and would lead to a drop in wheat and maize harvest, according to NASA. Uh, northern latitudes may see a temporary boost in soy and wheat farming, partly because of uh, the warmer temperatures um, farther north and partly because an increased uh, carbon dioxide helps plants grow. Hmm, really, Uh, NASA said. But uh, at an increase of 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, 2 degrees Celsius, uh, this advantage almost disappears for soy and entirely vanishes for wheat, NASA reported, if temperatures get too hot when these plants are flowering, their growth can become stunted, uh, leading to decreased or no edible food crop, such as corn or grain. NASA said. I guess the only food will be in that in that food vault. In that food vault, make sure there's no dog pee on the seeds in that food vault. We may be, we may all be needing. We need to head out there. Can we get that on GPS? I wonder if I wonder if uh, Google can get me directions. to I, I won't ask now. Okay. Shelter as temperatures warm and glaciers melt, the corresponding sea level uh, sea level rise can destroy homes and cities. About forty percent of the world's population lives within sixty two miles of the uh, coast. Um, In 2010, more than 123 million people or 39% of the United States population lived in counties touching the shoreline. Now, remember, we are warned that if we don't go vegan, if we don't have a 50 to 85% global population shift to vegan, well, in the U.S., 1,700 U.S. cities face submersion in the not-too-distant future. And uh, look at what we are saying here about all of this, huh? It says from 1901 to 19... Oh, oh wait a second here. It says, collectively... Okay, and talking about you know the, how much population... Uh, you know, 39% of the United States population lives in counties touching the shoreline it then it continues collectively that is the single biz- biggest investment at risk due to climate change uh, as sea level rises so um sea level rises the risk is to shelter and we all become climate refugees and then suddenly Oh, what? They, they they don't want to take the, the, the climate refugees from Los Angeles in Libya anymore. No, no more climate refugees allowed in Libya. Sorry. Um, from 1901 to 1990, the average global sea level rose about 0.04 inches uh, per year. But from 1993 to 2010, the levels rose about... Point eleven inches, um, meaning the rate of rise more than doubled according to 2015 reports in the journal Nature. All right, what about energy? How are we doing on time here? Oh, we are doing... Fantastic, um, fantastic, bombastic energy, about 7% of the United States electricity generated in 2013 came from hydropower, which accounted for 52% of the nation's generated renewable energy that year, according to the Department of Energy. However, there's always a however. However, but. Here's the big but, however, uh, reduced snowpack and shifting rainfall patterns may reduce hydropower in the long run, De Monacal said. Uh, this is now threatening the American West and some European areas as well. Under health, increases in temperature and changing rain patterns are associated with the spread of vector-borne diseases, which another organism um, transmits between humans or from animals to humans, such as Lyme disease and uh, malaria, de Monacal said, "Even if a uh, even if it a vector-borne disease is eradicated locally in a particular region." The weather changes associated with climate change can lead to migrations of these vector-borne diseases to new regions. Furthermore, because of health, and there's always a furthermore, isn't there? You yeah. uh, know? Furthermore, because of health concerns, some regions of the globe, such as parts of the Middle East and the American West, may become, um, uh, Uninhabitable to humans because of extreme temperatures. Uh, That's because humidity often increases with the heat index. When both are high, the human body is unable to evaporate sweat and cool itself. Uh, If you're unable to evaporate sweat, you can actually die from exposure, the Monocal said. And you know, all these threats, remember, th- these all come because you're eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. And I'm not, you know, it's not to take blame because we are, you know, so brainwashed into eating what really should be repulsive to us, you know, decomposing corpses, you know, pathogen-covered, fecal, sprinkled, decomposing corpses, and you know, what, what pops out of the poop shoot of birds and Uh, mammary secretions, nipple drippings from other species. Because we we eat those, we're facing these climate uh, challenges and risks to energy, shelter, health. Uh, Extreme temperatures can also lower productivity among workers. Ah, finally a silver lining. Um, According to a 2014 Bloomberg report on the uh, economic risks of climate change, Extreme extreme heat, especially in the American Southeast, may lead to a 3% drop in outdoor worker productivity, including among people who work in construction, utility maintenance, landscaping, and agriculture. This drop is twice that of the pro- productivity slowdown that happened in the 1970s, which likely occurred because of high inflation, and economic instability, the report said. All of these threats are just around the corner, De Monacal said. The Earth is anticipated to exceed the 2.7 degree Fahrenheit, 1.5 degree uh, Celsius milestone in about 15 years. Between 2032 and 2039, De Monacal said, the planet is expected to surpass the 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, two degrees Celsius benchmark between 2050 and 2100. He said, just, just my luck, you know, because I'm vegan now 33 years, I'll, I'll probably live to, to, you know, to probably live to need, need to live in a scuba, in scuba gear, apparently. Um, he says, if, if we are on our current emissions scenario, it's even sooner than that, he said. Even over the last 8,000 years, we haven't seen a temperature extreme this rapid and this fast and large. So, um, how, how, I mean, I just don't understand how, how you cannot go vegan when given the facts. The facts are animal agriculture, the number one cause of climate change, going vegan, the only solution. What kind of world would you like to leave to the children? Actually, what kind of world uh, do you want? Well, you know, I mean, this this is happening quickly, you know, today. Today, we're all comfy. Tomorrow, we're the climate refugees. So Anyway. There you have it on the environment. Uh, always happy to get my mind off things that upset me by uh, <laughs> talking about things that upset me. And now I see, oh, no, here comes the animal rights conference again. I'm sure I'm going to find this. I'm sure I'm going to find this very upsetting. And I'm sure you're going to hear about it after we take a break here on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio and Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. You can support our program by becoming a subscriber on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And uh, many people are doing that now. And, uh, well, a few people are doing that now. What is it? We're up to, what, six people? Okay. Six! Many, many people. Uh, that's more than five and uh, also you can support our program with a tax-deductible donation Uh, coming soon, Radio Bobby coming within days within just days we're going to launch our 24-7 online music radio station uh, where you will be free from the interruptions uh, about any any products concerning meat, dairy, fish, and eggs slash food restaurants Um, nothing about Wearing, eating, using animals. Uh, and hopefully you're going to love the music too on Radio Bobby. That's coming soon as another project from Go Vegan Radio at GoVeganRadio.com. Oh, and Radio Bobby will be RadioBobby.com. It's, it's just days away. I, I feel it happening. We're, we're loading music into the cloud. Who would have thought that? You know? I was a program director at music radio stations around the country long ago. You know, these, uh, what are they called now? Terrestrial radio stations. And uh, then it was a matter of ordering CDs from... Uh, it was a matter of ordering CDs from, from record companies and just, you know, slapping them on. But this is all different. We've had to convert a whole music library over. I cannot believe disconnected my computer everything's off that I want to talk about, lucky farm lucky lucky animal rights conference, no, I'll get it back during the break. so, anyway let me take care of my technical matters here and we will continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Lind and Professor Gary Francione coming up in just a little bit We continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. dot com. Just not the not the best ergonomically produced radio program. Uh, so tangled in wires. Sudhanshu's law, my good friend Sudhanshu from MIT, who said basically any you know any wires left in in the same room and you know they could be. Who knows what distance? But they always seem to get tangled, and what a mess I have with speakers and chargers, and microphones, and just everything falling all over the place. Really, uh, very poorly designed ergonomically. Um, and that meant uh, my laptop wire came out, and then I lose power right away, and I lost all the windows that were open, and all the tabs. If there was a difference. Um, So, let's see. Oh, uh, we would like to thank Evolution. Evolution, vegan dog and cat food for its support of the radio program. What's uh, today? The 29th, 30 days half September. Okay, so so there are 31 days this month. So, this Wednesday is not the first Wednesday of the month, right? So, next Wednesday will be. So, um, when you order from Evolution on the first Wednesday of the month, well, Order anytime you get 25% off your first order of dry food. But on the first Wednesday, you get 20% off dry food, 10% off canned food. Um, when you call 800 659 0104, 800 659 0104. And that's uh, on the first Wednesday. There are new flavors. You will be so happy. When uh, the dogs and cats in your life are enjoying gourmet pasta and gourmet fondue, new flavors from evolution, kind of makes kind of makes me wanna have a little dish of it. It's vegan. Um, you can also order maximum life. It's uh, grain free, gluten-free, hypoallergenic, and uh, formulated for urinary tract health. And there is documentation of dogs living. Over 21 years and cats living over 22 years, enjoying evolution, which Daisy definitely, definitely loves. And, um, if, uh, if you are having any financial challenges, um, talk to Eric and, you know, we'll work something out so that the dogs and cats in your family, uh, can get there. Happy Nutrition from Evolution. And again, that's uh, 800-659-0104. And we also uh, would like to thank um, Vegetarian House Vegan Restaurant, 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose, for its support of the program. I stopped by last week on on my way back up from L.A. And... uh, I dare you to find a better vegan burger than the Jolly Burger there. And uh, again, you know, going vegan means you don't sacrifice anything. You don't sacrifice anyone. We do have the best food. We're foodies. We love to eat. We do. We got the best food. And a good example of that is uh, what's available at Vegetarian House. And you can just check out the menu at vegetarianhouse.us. Uh, the catering business is booming for Vegetarian House around the silicon valley um, lots of uh, lots of interest in catering and if you have an event coming up a business event a social event you're getting married and you want the food to be great get in touch with vegetarian house again it's vegetarianhouse.us this and uh, we thank vegetarian house for its support of this program year after year and it's all excited about radio bobby coming on air online uh, within the next few days, our 24-7 online music radio station. Um, I'll keep you posted. I don't know. It's all its all up to Ben. And, you know, everything is, you know, Ben, who is our Ben Brayman volunteer helping. Um, he's working on getting Radio Bobby on. And uh, we're just starting to move music up to the cloud. So uh, gosh, that sounds ominous, doesn't it? Why, why aren't we moving music up to the, up to sunny skies? Why couldn't it have been sunny skies? Oh, well, um, sunny sky sleeps in the morning, James Taylor song. That's on radio, Bobby, but I don't want to give you specific examples because it's, it's just a whole lot of great music and you'll never know what's coming next. And well, you will know that there'll never be a commercial for McDevils or murder King or when or kills junior, um, all right um so i'm looking unfortunately (laughs) at the upcoming so-called animal rights conference arcon coming up in august in the washington dc area and uh It's funny. It's the Animal Rights Conference Against Animals, as as far as I can see. And, you know, this is not to not to put down, you know, a lot of great people who are participating. But, you know, this is this is I don't know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Alec Hershaft, Alex Hershaft, you know, the founder of a farm. I I think I think I'll give him an award this year as the uh, meat industry innovator of the decade, maybe of all time. You know, when you come right down to it, uh, this Animal Rights Conference Against Animals is just innovation in the meat industry after innovation in the meat industry. This year, speaking uh, at the uh, ARCon, will be one Brian Kateman, who is the founder of Reducitarianism. And I sent around a post um, saying, uh, well, with a quote of his. And actually, what we're going to listen to, i uh, going to listen to his, his video, his TED Talk. His TED Talk at CUNY, C U N Y, City University of New York. I'm a graduate of the City University of New York. I am so insulted. Oh, did I misspell? his name when I sent around the post. Okay, so if you see Kateman on my post, if you see Kateman with a C, that wouldn't be correct. So, I mean, if you're looking for him, you know, on the list of speakers, it looks like I misspelled his name. So if you see Kateman with a C that's incorrect, it's, uh, but if you see K as the first letter of his uh, name, you, you will know that is correct. And that's what I will send around uh, from now on. So uh, if you see K with a C, it's incorrect. And in the future, I promise that, uh, you know, if you see K... Men with a K. It will be correct, and you'll be able to follow this guy. I can't believe. I mean, Professor Francione has uh, discussed him in the past, and I thought, okay, it's just some guy opening up a Facebook page or something. You know, no big deal. But I don't know. He's been on Fox News, and they've written about him in um, in Forbes Magazine. Th- this this is a guy saying you you can change the world. By ordering a smaller steak. This this is the Animal Rights Conference. This is what it has... Well, this year... Okay, so that's the... Sl- I guess that'll be the slogan of this year's Animal Rights Conference. Uh, if you can... Uh, you know, if... Just, yeah. Just uh, order uh, this year. The slogan is... You can change the world by ordering a smaller steak. Now, last year, if you remember... Uh, If you don't, you can go to my archives around last year at this time because the slogan was meat is delicious and we're not going to stop eating it. This is an animal rights conference. Meat is delicious and we're not going to stop eating it. Uh, And then it said 100% real meat, 0% suffering. This is uh, selling us on the concept of lab meat. Um, something nobody wants to eat, uh, but vegans think that they can uh, force it upon carnivores to eat this. Uh, you know, they, they take cells from animals and there will have to be animal farms with donor animals and they take the cells. The animals, I'm sure, are not thrilled. They're probably terrified and who knows what else. Um, so, you know, 0% suffering. I don't think so. Um, 100% meat. And then these cells are fed with the bovine fetal serum. So, uh, what is that? The blood from, uh, the dead, pre- the, the babies of dead pregnant cows or, you know, something gross like that. Something that, you know, would, would, uh, would just inspire, you know, the slogan at an animal rights conference. Meat is delicious and we're not going to stop eating it. And, uh, Gosh, this is a who's who of the meat industry speaking at the Animal Rights Conference. Uh, The year before that, uh, it seemed to be uh, cruelty-free eggs. Cruelty-free eggs were the craze of the uh, Animal Rights Conference against animals. And before that, it was furnished battery cages. When all of these uh, sellout groups uh, joined the egg industry, they all reversed their positions on furnished battery cages, which they all opposed. And then they all promoted them, campaigned for them, and Farm and Alex Hersheft changed his position, uh, or I guess they changed their position. Although he's the he's the dictator there. Um, you know, years ago it was called the Farm Animal Reform Movement, and they then they changed it to the Farm Animal Rights Movement, keeping the FARM. But I don't know. I think it's more of the Farm Animal Reform Movement. You know, just uh, reforming it so that. Uh, you know, we we have the right meat. You know, the right size steak. Again, I don't know. So anyway, this year I'm, I'm, I have to create the award for Alex Hershaft. You know, one of the one of the great meat industry innovators of all time. And here's one of the speakers at uh, the animal rights conference. And again, I posted about him, and I misspelled his name, Brian Kateman. So you know, if you see kateman with a c that would be incorrect here is uh, brian kateman speaking at the uh, cuny city university of new york at a ted talk so apparently apparently anybody can anybody can speak at a ted talk now huh You get to speak at a TED Talk if you tell people you can change the world by ordering a smaller steak. So, anyway, let's, let's listen to this dude.
1: Can we save our planet? Will we continue to have access to water, food, energy? and other ecosystem goods that our planet provides. Each hour, three species disappear. Each day, 10,000 people die from water shortage or contamination. 14 billion pounds of garbage are dumped into the ocean every year. Most of it's plastic, and it'll take nearly 1,000 years for it to degrade. And due to global warming, the Arctic may be ice-free, and thousands of cities including New York City, may be underwater. Now, you've all undoubtedly heard many of these statistics before. And likely, at least so far, you aren't impressed. (laughs) (laughs) And yet still, in some sense, these facts turn societal platitudes motivate us. They certainly motivate me. And I, perhaps like many of you, am the typical environmentalist. I gleefully present my refillable cup to the Starbucks barista. I love to shop at Trader Joe's, and I always bring my Go Green bag. And if you're anything like me, I spend one to two minutes in a fit of confusion trying to recycle the fork, bowl, napkin, and food that constitutes my salad. And while my New Yorker instinct is to avoid eye contact with an over-eager sidewalk-soliciting environmentalist, I proudly flash them a smile, simply to remind them that I support what they do. And as I reflect on my eco-friendly day, I sleep like a baby, (laughs) knowing I made a difference. And I know what you're thinking. You could do so much more. And you'd be right, I could do a lot more. I could compost, and I don't. I could walk to work through Central Park, and I don't. And as one environmental campaign suggested, I could get clean and save water by showering with a friend or even an attractive stranger. (laughs) Don't get too excited for me. I shower alone, often for many minutes at a time. (laughs) Undoubtedly, we all could do more. But what if I told you that I did make a more difficult sacrifice for our planet? What if I told you that I am a vegan? Did you feel that? (laughs) You did. One word and everyone gets a little bit nervous. You can be honest with me. This is TEDx, it's a safe space. You feel a little awkward. Why? Because I am a vegan and presumably many of you are not? What is that about? Well, we've all had that conversation before. You're out to dinner with a friend or a colleague and you learn that the person you're with is a vegan. You had no idea. You're surprised. And while the person in front of you may not look like this, or like this,
0: oh, showing hippies your perception is vegans. of them
1: has immediately changed. There is no going back to whatever it was you thought of them before this moment. Now, back at dinner, the vegan likely feels compelled to explain to you that while he or she is a vegan, by no means did your culinary decision inspire offense. You in turn decide to kindly acknowledge that reconciling gesture and attempt to very quickly move the conversation along to a more unifying topic. And yet, you still feel whatever it is you or your neighbor might be feeling right now. A tinge of nervousness, a pulse of discomfort, the manifestation of a mouth twinge or the eyes widening, there is me, and then there's you. And somehow, our perception of one another is no longer the same. Well, as it turns out, I'm not a vegan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a relief, he's not a vegan.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry to all the vegans in the room who have lost one of their own. (laughs) And to the rest of you, while you can safely take a deep sigh of relief knowing that I am a carnivore just like you. But whatever connotations are in the word vegan and the experiences those connotations create in our mind, I am absolutely fascinated by them and think they may hold, at least in part, a key to solving complex problems like global warming and the loss of biodiversity. Now, semantics aside for just a moment, we all know that vegans and vegetarians the modern day pioneers from staining for meat are onto something, even if we ourselves choose to eat eggs and meat. We know our planet is in trouble and we know that meat production, from the clearing of land and trees to the transportation of these products, accounts for nearly 20% of global greenhouse gas emissions. 20%. Well, it's over 51%, that is but why, why should he be accurate, right? is nearly half that of a meat lovers. And for a vegan, It's even lower. And we also know that meat production requires a lot of water. Producing just one pound of meat protein requires ten times the amount of water as producing one pound of grain protein. It's a lot of water. And we also know, perhaps most morally salient, that due to factory farming, that animals are not treated very well. They're not. And they are incredibly smart and experience pain just like us.
0: Sounds like he's making an argument to to be vegan. Of
1: this very adorable baby pig. We have to ask ourselves why do over 90% of Americans continue to eat meat? Bacon. Bacon is the reason we eat meat. For many, the mere smell of bacon in the morning, that crispy, crunchy texture, that savory, salty taste, They give us a reason to smile. That spicy buffaloing, that juicy steak, they are the reason we eat meat. They satisfy our most primal urges. So what should we do? Well, on the one hand, we know that meat gives us a reason to smile in the morning, and on the other, we know it straddles our instinct to uphold our sense of morality with its questionable impact on the planet. Plus, as some of the medical literature suggests, meat may not be very healthy for us. Well, certainly we could treat each meal as a choice, either to indulge or to make a more restrained decision. We could simply eat less meat and more fruits and vegetables. That seems simple enough. And as many have suggested, if we simply followed a meatless Monday diet, whereby we abstained from eating meat on Mondays, we'd have a billion vegetarians overnight. And that would be huge.
0: Meatless but Mondays is a, a is a disaster.
1: They may not be a vegetarian or a vegan or even on any particular diet Where do they fall along this spectrum? Well, I discovered that there are a few words each with their own connotations to describe a person who eats less meat You could say I'm a semi-vegetarian. I sometimes eat meat and sometimes I don't you could say I'm a mostly vegetarian, I mostly eat fruits and vegetables, I sometimes eat meat, but I try not to eat a lot of it. Or you could say, and this one's by far my favorite, that I'm a flexitarian, I'm flexible about it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I eat meat, and sometimes I don't. So imagine we're back at dinner, and the person you're with has just explained to you that he or she is a vegan and you decide to enthusiastically share that you get it. I'm a flexitarian. I'm flexible about it. I sometimes eat meat, and sometimes I don't. But I try not to eat a lot of it. And as you continue to eat your steak, and he or she continues to eat her vegetable quinoa bowl, you realize, perhaps unconsciously, that you still fall somewhere different along this moral landscape. Well. We know with simple intuition that flexitarian sounds, well, flexible. That by choosing to eat meat sometimes, as opposed to never eating meat, you alter your moral standards for primal urges and convenience. It's weak. And it's inconsistent. And as we know from advances in cognitive science, the brain does not do well with inconsistencies. It loves false dichotomies and neat compartmentalizations. And we can see how this plays out. One minute, you're a noble lover of all forms of life, and the next, you're a ravenous animal, or at least ravenously eating one. So whatever it is about words like flexitarian and vegan, we know they conjure entirely different perceptions of who we are, and that these perceptions matter. These seemingly innocuous labels to describe our eating choices matter a great deal. They determine how seriously we are taken, how our messages are understood, and our feeling of belonging. Consider a related example, climate change versus global warming. Scientifically, they have different meanings. One refers to climate, while the other temperature alone. But regardless of what they actually mean, they conjure different mental associations. A 2014 study from Yale University found that the term global warming was associated with greater public understanding, more emotional engagement, and support for personal and collective action than the term climate change. Global warming generates more intense worries and negative reactions than climate change. That is why I try to use the phrase global warming more than climate change. So we see the same type of problem with words like flexitarian and semi-vegetarian. They all describe incredibly positive steps toward a more sustainable planet, but they largely invoke negative associations, feelings of division, and moral incompatibility. So it occurred to me, we need a word that describes a community of individuals who are committed to reducing their consumption of meat and can encourage others to reduce their consumption of cows, chickens, Mm. pigs, lambs, and seafood.
0: How about cheatarian?
1: That this word is reducitarian. Cheatitarian? It can inspire a community of individuals to simply eat less meat. And I bet many of you here today are already reducitarians. Reduce-a-tarian. How many of you try to eat less meat? You are all reducitarians already. You're all reducitarians already. You're friends, all rationalization you rationalizationitarians because you are so very much committed to reducing your consumption of meat. Reducitarianism is the practice of reducing one's personal consumption of meat, red meat, seafood, and poultry. Now, reducitarians may still enjoy the taste of meat or are not concerned with making a drastic lifestyle change, but they are committed to reducing their consumption of meat nonetheless. With more fruits and veggies, reducitarians live longer healthier and happier lives. They set manageable and therefore actionable goals to gradually reduce their meat consumption. For example, they may order a smaller steak or skip eating meat for dinner if they had it for lunch or simply eat meat only on the weekends. And reducetarians know that by choosing to eat less meat, they're not only going to improve themselves and the environment, but farm animals as well. What now, the concept of vegetarianism is appealing because not everyone is able or willing to follow a completely vegetarian diet. This is a difficult but important realization. Not everyone is able or willing to follow a completely vegetarian diet. A Gallup poll conducted in 2012 asked a diverse group of Americans the following question. In terms of your eating preference, do you consider yourself to be a vegetarian or not? How would you respond? What do you think they found? Well, what they found was that, on average, only 5% of Americans consider themselves to be a vegetarian. But what was so interesting about this 5% is that it remained largely unchanged from the 6% that was recorded in 1999 and 2001. In other words, the amount of vegetarians in the United States has remained about the same, extremely low. And as you might imagine, this percentage is even lower for vegans. Similar statistics have been observed throughout the world. And just in case you aren't convinced, a separate study found that among those who consider themselves to be a vegetarian, nearly two-thirds of them had indicated that they recently eaten meat when they were asked to recall their diet. <laughs> These individuals were not vegetarians or vegans. They were reducetarians but they were forced to play mental gymnastics with themselves without a word to describe who they are. And this used to happen to me all the time. My friends and family knew that I was a vegetarian, and once in a while, we would go out to eat, I'd order bacon with my eggs and pancakes, and they would literally catch me in the act red-handed.
0: Is this unbelievable? So here's the leader of a new movement, Reducitarian, who, when he considered his, himself vegetarian, would go out and have bacon and eggs. So um, I think Cheatertarian would be better. And uh, look, at, look, at, look, at, look at his commitment. Why was he even a vegetarian uh, eating bacon and eggs? Uh, who is this guy? And why is he speaking at the animal rights conference?
1: Eating a slice of bacon do you know what it's like for a Jewish vegetarian to be caught eating bacon?
0: That's a big laugh. That's getting the big laughs there. A Jewish vegetarian caught eating bacon. And uh, this is uh, Brian Kateman, one of the main speakers at the upcoming Animal Rights Conference.
1: That is a double whammy no one wants to experience with their morning coffee. So look, what I think this means is that even though we know it would be better, more healthy, and environmentally friendly if everyone just stopped eating meat.
0: Right, it it's would, so let's encourage goal, that.
1: A romantic ideal that we have been unable to achieve. This message of completely eliminating meat consumption has worked very well, or somewhat well, for the individuals who are vegetarians or vegans, but has failed to capture the attention of the rest of us the 95% of us who continue to inhabit this planet. So yes, reducitarianism is a message for the 95% of us. We should consider eating less meat for consider the sake it. of our health and the environment. Yeah. And we can learn a lot from vegans and vegetarians. You don't have to do it, just consider it. so admirably reduce their meat consumption that they effectively eat none at all. But vegans and vegetarians can also learn a great deal from those who simply strive to eat less meat. In many ways, the use of categorical imperatives that we must never eat meat has put vegans and vegetarians and those who simply strive to eat less meat in a boxing match for moral superiority. It's exhausting. I, I, don't, I don't think there's and any the competition data suggests, in that one. Largely unproductive. Reducitarianism is a message that allows us to focus not on our differences but on our shared commitment to eating less meat, regardless of where we fall along the spectrum.
0: Immoral morality. But I
1: believe that this reducetarian message will absolutely terrify the meat industry <laughs> because it is a message that will produce the greatest impact on the causes we all care so deeply about. After all, what could possibly matter more than the increased well-being of our health and the environment? It is my hope that we can leverage vegetarian, a positive and inclusive term of moral worth to encourage ourselves and others it to It is my hope meat, that I will profit from this absurd health, concept. Improving our health and the environment and making a lot of animals very happy in the process. Oh, the,
0: the animals will be happy. It
1: starts with us, all of us. Order a sma- to smaller steak. That'll make animals and happy. and others to simply eat less meat. So this is my message to you. Consider eating less meat this week and be a reducitarian. You can change the world by ordering a smaller steak or doing something more. But don't just sit by and ignore what you already know.
0: You can change the world by ordering a smaller steak. And there you have the message of the Animal Rights Conference 2017. The Animal Rights Conference Against Animals. The message from Brian Kateman. One of the main speakers there. Just order a smaller steak. You can you can change the world if you order a smaller steak. So uh, I can I, I can just see I can just see uh, all the attendees at this wonderful animal rights conference going and getting educated, and uh, afterwards going over to uh, what is it, Ruth Christ? or? Morton's I don't even know you know name the steakhouse and uh sitting down and saying uh I'll I'll take the 32 ounce porterhouse please wait a second no I'm an animal rights activist I'll just get the 28 ounce steak I'm an animal rights activist and uh enjoy your your animal rights conference against the animals and uh, there's so much more to say but I think ooh, I think looking at the clock here it's time to take a break and uh get uh, with professor gary francione but the uh this uh bogus animal rights conference the animal rights conference against the animals is coming up in august and we will be talking about it regularly because it's uh it's a who's who of the meat industry meat industry innovators everywhere speaking everywhere including this guy brian Kaitman and uh Anyway, so uh we'll we'll continue our discussion of the compromise of the animal rights movement and uh you know the uh the mocking of veganism which uh, should absolutely not be happening but you know here's this guy he puts he says he's a vegan oh you're all getting uncomfortable aren't you and um and then he shows pictures of uh, presumably uh, vegans and they are um hippies you know he's showing pictures look hippies are vegans and reducitarians were i don't know what we are anyway um we'll continue on go vegan radio with bob linden very frustrating um very frustrating i see forks over knives is uh featuring him and giving him a platform what is going on here well that's the state of the world in which we live um We'll quickly run down how how much money these groups are getting. Um, And uh, none of it's going to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. How do you like that? You can make a tax-deductible donation for the vegan cause. No reducitarianism, cheatingism, rationalizationism here. We're here to try to help everyone go vegan. um, And uh, sorry, we're not making excuses about it. We'll continue with Professor Gary Francione. You can find us on Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Please make a tax deductible donation and support this program at goveganradio.com.
2: Thank you.
0: Okay, we will continue now on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at goveganradio.com on Twitter at goveganradio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. You can support our program for as little as a dollar a month as a subscriber on Patreon. And uh you can also make a tax deductible donation. You can find that donate button at goveganradio.com. Um we are just days away and I'll post it I'll put it all over the uh, socialist uh, media networks um, when radio Bobby is coming on our 24/7 music radio station a project of go vegan radio um, and you'll you'll hear that music at radiobobby.com. and it's it's just days away again I, I thought we might be able to get it done and get it on the air by um, Memorial Day weekend but this is Memorial Day weekend, and it's not on yet. So, But we have paid initial music licensing fees. It is now legal for us to uh, play music on the Internet. And we've uh, converted a lot of music into the MP3 format, which is what we had to do for each song. And now we're uh, evaporating a bunch of that music into the cloud It has to go into the cloud for us to broadcast it, and uh, we have uh, many of the songs are already in the cloud. There are more to go before we have a cloud burst and the music rains, Um, and I really think you're going to enjoy it, and I'm doing this, I hope, uh, you know, to to make your life a better place. Um, This was my background. My background was as a music radio program director, back when uh, back back when um, terrestrial radio still meant something. So, um, and you had to serve each community. So, I was a radio gypsy all over, all over the place, running radio stations from New York, WQCD, CD one hundred one, Washington DC, Jazzy one hundred. Uh, san diego kifm seattle the sound knua that reminds me i need to uh send a message to my friend michael tomlinson that i can't i'm having trouble converting a bunch of his songs into mp3 one of the great vocalists whom you don't know there'll be a lot of music on radio bobby that you don't know and a lot of music that you do know and uh i hope you're gonna like uh you know, a thousand percent of it. Just all sorts of great music, and it's it's within days, right now. Let let's set a target for this coming Friday, June second. Let's uh, let's see if we can make that. Let's let's target noon Pacific time, Friday, June second, for the debut of Radio Bobby. Maybe you know, I mean, we're the hippies, you know, like the picture that that guy Brian Katman showed to uh, to mock vegans the picture of the hippies. We're the hippies, so, uh, you know, hippie music. Maybe we'll get the station on by Friday. Um, Hippie vegans, hippie vegans that we are. If we could be more corporate like all the groups talking at the animal rights conference and have all the money they have, we we would have been on a while ago, actually. Looking at the speakers list at the animal rights conference, national conference against animals um i don't know what else you can say this is this is a uh a meat industry trade show with a lot of good people and you know there are lots of people whom i like on this list people you know on, on the list who are speakers and certainly people attending have a good heart but this is contaminated this is a contaminated conference as you heard earlier uh, with our TED Talk featuring Brian Kateman, you can change the world by ordering a smaller steak. So somebody new to the animal rights movement can attend this conference and go, uh, you know, see see the speakers there, and come away with the thought, like I mentioned before, you know, go, oh yeah, I'll I'll take the thirty two ounce steak. No, make that a 28-ounce steak because I'm an animal rights activist. Actually, you can play that game in your head all the time. You could have gone, oh, you know, oh, I won't take the 42-ounce steak. I'll take the 32-ounce steak. You know, I mean, that's just a game you can play. Um, Rationalization, excuses, um, and ways and means to avoid what's necessary. And then to make health claims about reducitarianism, when we are told, even by T. Colin Campbell, the China study, and Forks Over Knives, that animal protein is deadly and not much of it. And 80 to 90% of serious disease is caused by animal protein and not much of it. So I presume uh, the re- reducitarian uh, ration of uh, animal protein Will probably still be dangerous. The the cholesterol, the animal fat, uh, all of that. Making health claims about reducitarian when when one bite of a burger can uh, give you mad cow disease. What I, I, what if I'll, I'm just going to reducitarian myself to to one burger a month? Oh, too bad that burger gave me mad cow disease. Oh well, there go the health benefits of reducitarianism. <sighs> and to make environmental claims, environmental claims that you can change the world by ordering a smaller steak. What does that mean? Are we going to grow smaller cows so that we get smaller steaks from them? Oh, oh, Or we'll get more steaks per cow, so then there'll be fewer cows and we'll save the environment that way with all the methane that comes from the smaller stakes, all the methane that's, uh, you know, 100 times worse than carbon in the greenhouse gas equation. You know, it's, it's just a, a complete waste of resources. Any meat, dairy, fish, and egg consumption is a complete waste of resources, of water and land. How how these absurd claims, these, this is the, the fake animal rights movement, and this is the message there, and people will leave saying, I'm an animal rights activist, I will just order a smaller steak. So if I'm looking at this list of speak, oh, did I, ma- I didn't mention that Professor, oh, I didn't realize Professor Francione is not available tonight, did I, I didn't guess he did he text me or did he email me or you know I'm, there are too many places for me to get messages you know for me to miss messages so i imagine professor francione will be with us again next week same time same bat station so let's look at the, this list of speakers and i uh, just want to uh, single out a few here who have been the recipients of millions of dollars to promote animal products so um, these are the people this is the meat industry and again this year i'm going to i have to give alex hershaft a, a lifetime award you know he, he you know the, the the lifetime award for meat industry innovation goes to alex hershaft a farm farm animal rights movement yeah right lol and the animal rights conference against animals so thus far uh mercy for animals has received three million dollars from the open philanthropy project to promote cage-free eggs and uh Better welfare for broiler chickens, you know, so better welfare for laying chickens and better welfare, uh, supposedly, for uh, the chickens whom people mistakenly, you know, who people mistake as food. Uh, Eating a chicken? It's so absurd. Eating a bird. So so beyond absurdity. Um, And so let's see this list here. All right, going alphabetically. Let well, okay. Let let's see some of the people whom we would not approve. Okay, well, let's see. Here's, I guess the list is alphabetical. Tony uh, Tony Adlerberg, Animal Charity Evaluators. What a bogus group that is! Uh, animal Charity Evaluators, which recommends uh, donating. To the uh, animal charities that are detrimental to animals. Okay, um, let's see. We go down a few names. So we see—is uh, this uh, Ventana Bala? Is that am I saying that right? It looks like Ventana Bala. Okay. So finally, we have a speak uh, one speaker for Mercy for Animals, Ventana Bala. Uh, And then we're just going down this list alphabetically. Remember, Mercy for Animals promotes the consumption of cage-free eggs. Mercy for Animals and, uh, oh, I see Josh Balk of the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, It also has received uh, about $4 million from the Open Philanthropy Project to promote cage-free eggs. So right here, alphabetically, we have Mercy for Animals and the Humane Society of the United States both giving the animal rights seal of approval to grinding every single male chick born in the egg industry. All of them, they, they're macerated. They go into the macerator, they're all shredded. Yippee, this is the campaign of the animal rights movement. We want people to buy cage-free eggs where every male is immediately ground alive or suffocated. Every female is mutilated. And then she's uh, stuffed into some shed or barn with tens of thousands of other birds, um, completely miserable, until she's murdered. And, uh, you know, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day for the animals, right? Uh, So there's uh, Mercy for Animals, uh, Vantanabala, Humane Society, Josh Balk, Matthew Ball, Another from Farm Sanctuary, another uh, prominent anti-vegan in the movement. Let's see. Here's the second speaker for Mercy for Animals. Uh, And please challenge these people when you're there. Look at how many times. Okay, Mercy for Animals. Let's just go through this. Mercy for Animals. Okay, that's one. Here's a second. Jamie Berger. Let's see. Go down more. Uh, Mercy for Animals. Number three, Crystal Caldwell speaker. Number four uh, is this? Cody Cody Carlson, so that's number four. And then number five, Nick Cooney, Mercy for Animals, another speaker. Number six, Mark Devries. Uh, who else uh, from Mercy for Animals? Let's go down, scroll the list here. We up to six? Six speakers for Mercy for Animals? Are you counting with me? Um, I know there are more. Uh, Dead air isn't good on radio, is it? So that's why I say, uh. Let's see. I know there's more Mercy for Animals. I mean, there's really less Mercy for Animals, but more Mercy for Animals speakers, more of the profiteers, more of the animal betrayal specialists, and, uh, maybe just mercy for animals hires people, uh, you know, whose last names are early in the alphabet and that's why it's that way on this list. Um, but I'm pretty sure, well, Nathan Runkle. Okay. So, Oh, Matt Rice, Matt Rice and Nathan Runkle. So what are we up to eight speakers for mercy for animals up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Eight speakers, eight speakers for mercy for animals at the animal rights conference against animals. And uh, challenge them on why they're selling the public on cage-free eggs. Mercy for Animals. Eight speakers. Mercy for Animals got $3 million to promote cage-free eggs and eating better chicken. The the chickens Mercy for Animals wants you to eat. Mercy for Animals, also a sellout when it came to uh, furnished battery cages. Mercy for Animals used to oppose furnished battery cages until it supported them. But, you know, uh, money money talks, money talks, right? So should I look at how many people? I don't know. Humane Society of the United States. Josh Balk. Josh Balk, who was uh, vice president of farm animal protection. Josh Balk, uh, you know, they, they make a big deal that he was a college baseball player. He was a pitcher named Balk. A pitcher named Balk who's uh the vice president of farm animal protection and i guess he's got he he doesn't realize his his batting average well oh no his era he he has the era that he would want as a pitcher because he is uh he has a 0.000, 000 era when it comes to saving any farm animals even though he's vice president of farm animal protection he promotes Cage free eggs to, uh, universities and corporations. So, um, he will, uh, maintain a zero, 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 uh, ERA when it comes to you know, his batting average for animals is also zero, if that matters. Anyway, so Josh Balk from the Humane Society of the United States. That's one. I guess Paul Shapiro. Uh, is also from the Humane Society of the United States um, i don't know he he traded jobs with Josh balk It's um, like uh, I don't know what the reason was behind that because uh, uh, Paul Shapiro was doing you know his era was uh, was also commendable at, at saving no animals as uh, vice president of farm animal protection So I don't know. They they traded positions. These two players, these two players. Um, And you have uh, the Humane League, the Humane League, also receiving $3 million. Um, And it is to promote cage-free eggs and chicken eating. These are the people infiltrating this uh, so-called animal rights conference. This... uh, the Animal Rights Conference Against Animals, the meat industry trade show. Anyway, I won't, I won't go over this whole thing here in, in looking at all the speakers right now, but there are many speakers from the Humane League. And of course, they should not be there, uh, either. Uh, let's see. It says John Camp. I'm sure I missed others here. The Humane League, David Conan, David Conan Heidi, Hidi, um, I don't know. This this is a who's who of animal exploitation, amongst others. You know, amongst others. But the the others who are attending, I don't know. I don't know how they can go. Uh, you know, be shoulder to shoulder with these people and consider themselves in the same movement, because it is the meat industry. Any? Oh, here's compassion over killing. Mike Wolf, Compassion Over Killing, Compassion Over Killing received $500,000, half a million dollars to promote chicken eating. Okay, and uh, let's see, there's uh, Bruce Friedrich of the Good Food Institute that's promoting the lab meat, the meat that nobody wants except uh, vegans want it for for, uh, meat eaters. Vegans believe, uh, you know, that it's, it's better to spend time not promoting veganism, but instead supporting lab meat um, that has no viability to come to the marketplace for 30 years. Nobody wants it. They can't figure out how to grow the stuff without bovine fetal solution. It's a mess. It's a mess. This animal rights movement is a mess. You know what? We, Go Vegan Radio needs money. We need money, okay? So, um I hate to ask for money, but you know, I, I look at what's going on here, and and you know, look at this big event. Well, all these uh profiteering corporations, all these opportunists who are making a fortune from the exploitation and suffering of animals. That's the animal rights movement and they all have a lot of money and they can all pay and support farm and Alex Hershaft, Alex Hershaft. Yes. The, uh, one of the great meat industry innovators of all time. And, uh, we do our, uh, world vegan summit and expo. And because we are so cause oriented and, uh, not kissing up to, uh, all these corporate types, and we're not getting millions of dollars from the Open Philanthropy Project to uh, brainwash people into uh, thinking cage-free eggs are an animal rights campaign. It's pretty amazing. So um, all of that money goes away from the cause of veganism. And as you see, you even have that clown, Brian Kateman, uh, who's there at an animal rights conference. Can it be more outrageous? I mean, I thought last year it was completely outrageous when when the slogan really was uh, meat is delicious and we're not going to stop eating it. And this year, it's, uh, you can change the world by ordering a smaller steak. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Go Vegan Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and uh, we are dedicated to vegan education and the vegan cause, and we would greatly greatly appreciate it if you would support us with a tax-deductible donation or if you would become a subscriber via Patreon. Um, you know, it's not enough to be up against all the forces, all the forces of evil that make people eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, including this animal rights conference where suddenly... If you're a reducitarian, we're saying the animals are happier now. I mean, this is, yeah. You know, we know the world has gone crazy, right? And uh, I'm glad you can join me, uh, every, you know, this week. And we're here every week with uh, a couple of hours of sanity on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. I guess that'll uh, that'll do it for today. We'll be back next week, and again i think radio bobby coming this weekend that's the plan if not you know it'll be a few days after that but you're you're not going to want to miss a minute of it and you probably want to listen you know right right from the start to say i was there from the first song that came on radio bobby i wish i could be more helpful but you know this this is a grassroots uh hippie activism you saw the picture he, he showed the picture brian kateman at his ted talk this is the ted talk at cuny city university of new york i'm a graduate of city university of new york i protest as an alumnus alumnus alumni alumnus alumni um so i don't know okay well thanks for being with us uh this week uh Daisy, sensor, love, and we will talk again next week. And remember, we have um, Radio Bobby coming on in just a few days. So uh, stay stay close by the Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. Stay close by Facebook Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and also the uh, two Bob Linden pages there. Thank you for listening. Peace now. Go vegan. Yaman